Is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Who hasn't heard about the recent Supreme Court ruling legalizing gay marriage in all 50 states? And because this program is called Is That Really in the Bible? I started thinking, well, does the Bible speak to this issue of what just occurred? And I think it does. Let's take a look at it. Isaiah 3 and verse 9. The show of their countenance countenance does witness against them and they declare their sin as Sodom they hide it not fascinating scripture that really fits what's going on in our society today now just recently I received a letter by email I want to share this with you it says hey my partner and myself are looking for a church to visit and hopefully become a member of we both are looking for an accepting church family. I wanted to know if you allowed homosexual couples to attend your church of worship. We did not want to just show up and make anyone uh, uncomfortable. And of course, we didn't want to feel unwelcome. Now, I personally believe that this is probably a test run, a trial run. I actually believe that letter was probably sent out by email to a lot of churches, just testing the water here. But I wrote back and I, I I thought I was very kind to the person. I, I, I said, well, I said, you're welcome to come to church as long as you realize that homosexuality is a sin and you're willing to work towards changing that behavior. I also said that church is a great place to start making that change. And I said that, you know, my response would have been the same toward a couple if they came, heterosexual couple, and said, look, we're committing adultery. She's married, I'm married, and we're, we're, you know, we're committing adultery. My response would have been exactly the same. Yes, you're welcome, as long as you realize that your behavior is sinful in the eyes of God. And if you're willing to work toward change, this is a great church, is a great place to start working towards changing the man or the woman in the mirror. Um, you know, there was an old song. Uh, that used to be sung at Billy Graham at a Billy Graham campaign. It was entitled "Just as I Am," and it's a powerful song about the fact that God accepts us when we come to Him. He has no other choice but to accept us just as we are, sin and all. But everybody knows that a relationship with God is not about staying just the way you are, is it? that there is a thing called change and conversion and repentance. Well, first, forgiveness of what? Of sin, breaking God's law, and conversion and change and the need to change the person. Um, but there's almost this mentality that says, well, I can live in my sin and still be religious. And I'm not sure where people are getting this from, but they, they actually got it. You know, they, they actually think, well, I don't have to change. I don't have to do a thing. Now, I sort of believe that this test that is coming upon our churches may be directly from God. 
I think from God's perspective, God would say, look, you've taught Pablum. He would say to the churches that are out there, he would say, look, you've taught Pablum for so long, baby food. You've taught this prosperity doctrine for so long. Just recently I saw some idiot on the Sunday morning comedy hour. He was wanting $7,800. Send in your seed donation for $7,800 and your life will totally turn around and everything will start working for you. They ought to throw these guys in jail for doing this. It's a lie. It's a lie. But people only believe what they want to believe. And they believe if I send this buffoon money, somehow my life is going to totally turn around. Nonsense. Nonsense. Your life, if you send someone $7,800, you're going to be $7,800 broker than you are right now. Okay, I think God would say, look, the churches have taught, you know, uh, deathbed repentance for so long. You know, live your life for yourself, and then when you're old and gray and ugly, and you got, uh, you're in the hospital and you got tubes running out of your body, and you realize you're going to die, then get some minister, minister to come by and save your ASS, you know. That's sort of the, the thought, that's how people view religion. You know, where did Jesus say, live your life for yourself, and then when you're old and gray, get yourself saved. He never said anything like that. But that's what's taught today. Deathbed repentance. That's what, that's what is in people's minds today. I think God would say, look church, you've taught for so long. Just raise your hand and give your heart to the Lord. That's all you got to do. Just invite Jesus into your heart. You know, the churches have taught grace plus nothing. The churches have taught Jesus abolished the law, which means there is no morality. Well, how can you speak out against sin if Jesus abolished the law? There's nothing to define what sin is. And I think God is saying, look, you've taught this nonsense for so long, and now I need to know where you stand. Will you just invite this into your church also? <clears throat> now, one of the statements I keep hearing on different forums like Facebook is, well, I'm a Christian, and I support gay marriage. And I'm thinking, where did they get that? Let me tell you where they got that from. They got it from church. Where do you think they got it from? Because for 50 years, we have been propagandized by religious propaganda. And religious propaganda is just a soundbite. It's a soundbite that says, just believe. Just give your heart to the Lord. There's nothing you must do. Grace plus nothing. You know, it's, it's, we have been propagandized by religious propaganda and people believe today there's nothing you you don't even have to change all you got to do to be a Christian is just say that you are that's what we have come to as a nation now one of the things that I hear a lot of times from the gay community is well I'm born that way look give me a break every sinner I've ever met uses that excuse I used to use it I can't help myself I'm born that way God I love my sin I don't want to change Every sinner uses that excuse that they're born that way. Uh, tell me something I don't know. Now, will the churches allow this sin to openly exist? I think a lot will. A lot of churches will because it means more revenue. Listen, the gay community, a lot of those people are filthy rich. A lot of money involved there. And so whoever supports this, gets what? guess what? Gets the kitty. Gets the money. So I say, yeah, I probably a lot of churches will allow this to exist in their churches. Now, for me, listen, I'm not paid. 
I don't get a, get a dime for doing this. I am part owner of a business. I don't get paid for doing this program. I don't get paid for being a minister. I don't get paid for being a preacher. You know, I, I, I pay my own way. I got a full-time job. So, you know, I mean, it, 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 listen, if I got paid, I'd only tell you what you want to hear, probably. You know, I'd tell you some kind of prosperity doctrine. I'd, I'd teach you deathbed repentance. I'd teach you just raise your hand and give your heart to the Lord. That's all you got to do. I'd teach you grace plus nothing. I'd teach you Jesus abolished the law and there's no need to change because he abolished the law. It's not about change. Just invite Jesus to your heart. Oh, we just had 20 more people come down to the altar and give their heart to the Lord. That's what I would teach. But for me, it's not about the money, so you don't have to worry about that. I'll tell you what you don't want to hear. Okay, recently on the internet, you have to be skeptical about the internet. You know, I had heard statistics about the gay lifestyle that it cut off 15 to 20 years of their life expectancy. Well, at least that's what I've heard. I mean, uh, because that kind of behavior like anal sex, it doesn't, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that that can't be good for you. I mean, uh, but, but, but then I looked at another website that said, no, 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 it's, uh, it's, it's the same life expectancy, whether you're gay or whether you're straight. And what I'm beginning to find out is this, whatever statistic you want to find, you can find it on the internet. Now, I'm not saying there's not a lot of good information out there. There is a lot of great information out there. There's a lot you can learn from the internet, but you just gotta be, just realize that whatever statistics people are wanting to prove, you can find it on the internet. So um, I wanna take a little bit different approach today though on this subject. If you want to be a Christian, if you want to please God, what does the Bible say? Uh, for Christians, the only authority that we really have is the Bible. I mean, can we agree on that? I mean, as far as a, as a Christian, the only authority we really have, uh, unless we're just going to make stuff up ourselves, unless we're going to make up our own Bibles and, and just say, well, this is my opinion. I think you can be uh, a Christian and support gay marriages. You know, we can make up our own stuff, but for a Christian, a true Christian, his only authority is the Word of God. So if I'm, let's say I'm gay and I'm wanting to visit a church, I want to become a Christian. Okay, I must consider the only book that really defines what a Christian is, and that is the Bible. So where you start is with creation. Your worldview must start with creation. Evangelism must start with creation. That's, that's I mean, if you, because you see, you first have to realize, number one, there is a creator, and that God created things. If you can't get past that, you will never have a relationship with God. One, there is a creator, God, and this is what God created. All right? Um, so, if, if you, okay, you're a Christian, you say, okay, I'm a Christian, but I support gay marriages. Okay, you got to start with a worldview of creation. What does, Bible, what does the Bible say about creation? You have to begin with there is a creator, and what did God create? You know, Thomas Jefferson said this, he said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Notice this, we are endowed by our creator 
you know, they acknowledge that there is a creator. The creator was God, is God. And he created the universe. He created man and woman, male and female. So let's, let me, I'm getting off the subject a little bit, but let, let me ask you a question. Where do our rights come from? If they don't come from God, and this is what Jefferson was looking at, he was looking at that the fact that our rights come from God, a creator of God. But if our rights don't come from God, where do they come from? Are you going to trust our Constitution and the Supreme Courts to give us our rights? I mean, look at the decision that was just made. Why is the Supreme Court catering to, I heard, and again, you, know, you don't know whether to trust the statistics or not, but in America, about 3.8% of the American community is gay. Okay, other statistics maybe say more, but let's, let's, let's go liberal here. Let's say, okay, 10% of America is gay. Okay, why is the highest court in our land catering to the less than 10%? What about the other 90%? Wouldn't it make more sense to listen to them? How is it that laws like this can be passed from the highest court in America, the Supreme Court. Now, maybe the other 90% are living under the illusion that they can be Christian and still support gay marriages. Now, I know not all are believing that, but I think that's more the issue. I think that's more the problem that we have now. People don't realize that religion, a relationship with God, is about changing the individual. It's not about ch staying just the way you are. It's about change. And somehow we've lost that as a nation. So I'll go back to this worldview of creation. You've got to start with creation. Okay, all right. Let's say, okay, let's say you're gay and you're wanting to be a Christian. All right. Let's start with Genesis 1 and verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Okay, so God created male and female. Now, did you know that on this subject, evolution agrees with the Bible? Yeah, that homosexuality, homosexual behavior is not useful in evolution. Uh, because that behavior does not produce offsprings. And evolution is all about producing offsprings, you know, reproduction. That's what evolution is all about. And so homosexual behavior doesn't do that. All right, let's take a look at Genesis 1 and verse 28. Genesis 1 and verse 28. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish, and of the sea, over the fowls of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Now, so what do we have this? Well, we have God created male and female. And again, we have to go back to this worldview of creation. If you are to make your life work, you have to go back to this worldview of there is a creator, and there are things that God created. He created them male and female, and he told them to be fruitful and multiply. Now, let me ask you a question. Would God ask two people to do something that was totally impossible for them to do? Well, of course not. That's not the way God works. So we're gaining wisdom. We're gaining insight about creation and how God works. 
So if I want to become a Christian, this is valuable. What I'm giving you here is valuable information. Let's continue on. Genesis 2 and verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. Now what is God's solution to it's not good for man to be alone? Is it Okay, a partner. If you're a man, is it another male friend? No. No, that's not God's solution. The solution is the opposite sex, male and female. Genesis 2 and verse 23. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Notice that. She was taken out of man. Of man. Now, men, listen to me. You are missing something. You are in and of yourself, you are incomplete. You have a blind side about you that you cannot see. And somewhere out there, there is a woman that will make you whole. All right, women, listen to me. You are missing something. You are incomplete. You have also a blind side about you that you cannot see. And somewhere out there, there is a man that will make you whole. Now, I know we go about this all the wrong way and get people get hurt and get divorced and they get down on relationships and down on marriage because they, they go in, they jump into bed, they, they think genital bonding is, is uh, love. And so we go about this all the wrong way. Yes, I admit, and screw up our lives and screw up relationships. Yes, we, we do that, I admit. But there is that perfect person for you that can make you whole out there. Genesis 2 and verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Now again, when we ask the question, okay, what constitutes a marriage? Well, it's one man, one woman, and this marriage institution is found in the Bible. You know, one of the Supreme Court's uh, men on that panel that actually said, he, he was talking about, he referred to marriage almost as if it was a man-made institution. Marriage is not a man-made, we didn't come up with this stuff. It is a God-ordained institution. In fact, we find the first marriage right here. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Now this concept of oneness, I want to talk about this for a moment. This concept of oneness means that you are complete, you are whole, you, are, you reach an ability that you didn't have before because you are married. Jesus referred to, he said, I and my father are one. This oneness is so critical. We're talking about the character building process here that is actually achieved through a marital relationship, husband and wife. You see, you have a blind side about you that you cannot see. It's what I refer to as marriage dynamics. I don't have time to go into all of this. I do have a CD by that title if you want to study it more called marriage dynamics. But marriage dynamics is this, is that God puts you with a person, uh, if you're a man he puts you with a woman, if you're a woman he puts you with a man in marriage that is able to reveal your blind side, you see, and show you things that you cannot see in and of yourself about yourself. 
Now, I'm not talking about beating down each other. I'm not talking about putting down and correcting each other continuously. Let me explain how it works. My wife edits these videos that I send out. And sometimes she will say, David, you shouldn't have said that. And I always listen to what she said, you know, and I will go, okay, what did I say? And why do you disagree with this? And why do you think this? I don't always agree with her, but I am a fool if I don't listen to her advice. If I don't listen to this because she's seeing something about me that I can't see. Okay. This is what I call the blind side. Couples exist to reveal each other's blind side. That's what marriage, one of the things marriage is all about. Now, listen to me. Two men can't see each other's blind side. Two women cannot see each other's blind side. Okay, you got me on that? It's impossible. Now, what about being single? You know, you have this idea, you know, all right, single, that's the best, you know, celibacy. Okay, so, to be celibate, okay. So that's more spiritual, right? No, it's not more spiritual. I mean, the, the, what happened in the Catholic Church with the pedophile priest blows that idea clear out of the water. Uh, the marriage institution, listen to me, goes way beyond companionship, loneliness, a cure for loneliness. It goes beyond reproduction. It goes uh, way beyond just bringing children into the world. The marriage institution is about building godly character. That's part of God's design for it, you see. And sometimes you hear someone say, well, I just want somebody to love me just the way I am. What kind of idiotic concept is love you just the way you are? The marriage institution was not designed that way. The marriage institution is designed to change you into a better person than you are now because you have a blind side that you cannot see. I have a blind side that I cannot see. And only a member of the opposite sex can help you reveal that blind side. We're talking about changing the man or the woman in the mirror. You know, sometimes, sometimes people say, well, you haven't changed in years. That's the worst thing you can say about a person. You haven't changed in years. I hope you have changed. And that's what the marriage to institution is. It's one of the things it's all about is developing the kind of character that God wants to develop by two people being able to see the blind side of each other. Now, you know, heterosexual marriages, about 50% end up in a divorce, and I could probably, the gay community might say, well, look, we can do better than that. I mean, look at you people. Even among Christians, the divorce rate is the same as non-Christians. About 50% of Christians end up getting a divorce. You know, and I admit, okay, homosexual marriages is something that we should be ashamed of, but I'll tell you something else we ought to be ashamed of, and that is Christians having a, for 50% among heterosexuals, marriages ending with a divorce. We ought to be ashamed of that. We ought to be ashamed of that. Now, I want to speak to those, who call, uh, those of us who call ourselves Christians on the subject of divorce. Jesus, some, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, why did Moses allow us a writing of divorcement. Why did Moses allow that? And this was Jesus' answer. Listen closely. Matthew 19 and verse 8, he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Notice that. From the beginning, it was not so. The only legitimate reason Jesus gives for divorce is fornication sexual immorality. That's the only legitimate reason he gives. But he's saying from the beginning, it wasn't that way. 
divorce here, there, and yonder, 50% of, of Christians getting a divorce. Listen, the hardness of the heart is, is simply this. Because of the hardness of your heart, it's, it's the unwillingness to see your blind side. It's un, your unwillingness to listen to the other half. That's the real issue. It's the hardness of the heart. Uh, you know, there are things about me, there are things about you that need correcting that I cannot see. And that's one of the things the marriage institution is all about. Romans 1 and verse 26 says, For this cause God gave them up into a vile affection, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. What is this about the natural use of the woman? What is Paul talking about when he talks about the natural use of the woman? He's talking about creation. You start with creation. God created them male and female. Once you abandon that worldview of creation, you are truly lost. And I might add, you're not a Christian. Now, I didn't say you couldn't call yourself a Christian. I didn't say you couldn't go to church. You can do all those things. But once we abandon that worldview of creation, that there is a creator and that God created them, male and female, you're truly lost. Now, in order for gays to be, quote, Christians, they're going to have to find a church that, that doesn't accept the authority of God's word. That should be pretty easy to find, by the way, uh, because it's, we're already there and it doesn't accept the authority of God's word. But my question is this, if, if you're gay, where do you go, where do you find forgiveness? Where does for forgiveness fit into the gay person's life? Uh, because I ask that question because first of all, the mentality is, well, God, you're just gonna have to accept me just the way I am. I was born that way, that's the mentality. And I'm not willing to change and I don't accept the authority of your word, and I don't accept the worldview of creation uh, that God created in male and female, where does for forgiveness fit in at? And in order to have forgiveness, there has to be repentance. Now, I wanna offer you something in closing here. I'm, I'm about out of time, but uh, uh, why you need the Holy Spirit and should you be baptized? In order to change, you have to have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you and you're not born with the Spirit of God. And just because you believe in the Trinity doesn't mean, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, doesn't mean you have the Holy Spirit of God. There is a way to receive the Spirit of God and change is impossible unless you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you. Where does the desire to change come from? The Holy Spirit of God. So order this, it's free material. I'll send that to you free of charge. I'm David Freeman and remember that's what's really in your Bible. Many people spend their whole life repeating the same old mistakes. What does it take to have good discernment and good judgment? It takes having the Spirit of God. But what many people overlook is, the Spirit of God is not something that you are born with. Man was created incomplete, missing that spiritual element that would make him complete. The Bible clearly lays out the way to receive the Spirit of God. Learn the step-by-step -step process for receiving the Spirit of God. 
order your free copy of Why You Need the Holy Spirit. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.org.